Well, this is uh, what they refer to as a game changer. Students who are attending Ontario Catholic schools uh, in the province will soon have the choice to opt out of religious courses and programs. Now, this is due to a human rights settlement. A human rights complaint was filed by a former student that resulted in changes to the exemption policy, uh, which, well, well, raises a number of different questions, obviously. I mean, we've talked on this show previously about the move that's afoot right now from uh, many circles, that uh, perhaps the uh, the days of the separate and public school boards are uh, long past overdue to uh, go for, through some sort of readjustment. Maybe we only need one school system here in this province. Uh, the other question, of course, that comes up every time we have this uh, debate is whether or not religion should even be taught in schools. Well, uh, there's so much to talk about here, so much to discuss, and uh, to give us some perspective on this, we want to welcome to the program Adrian Havercroft, an occasional teacher with the uh, HWDSB. She's also a member of a group called Open, a group attempting to challenge the legal status of separate school boards here in Ontario. Adrian, thank you so much for the time. It's great to have you with us today. Thanks for having me on. Let me first of all ask you about your reaction to the, uh, the, the, uh, the decision here that's going to go to the Human Rights Commission. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I think it's a pretty big brick in the tower. Uh, give us an idea of what OPEN is and what you, your group is doing uh, and, and, and what your ultimate goals are here. Yeah, so uh, like you said, we are a group um, that supports one publicly funded system in Ontario. And so we are in the process of mounting a legal challenge against Catholic schools in Ontario. Um, I would be one of two plaintiffs in that case. So we're just actually in the process right now of raising money to bring this to the court system. So my argument would be that as a non-Catholic teacher in Ontario, I do not have access to one-third of the jobs in Ontario just by virtue of the fact that I'm not Catholic. Um, It's a very difficult time to get a permanent job as a teacher, and so that's, um, I would say, affected my life in a a fairly significant way. Um, I could could keep going. (laughs) I could tell you about the other plaintiff, but but yeah, that sort of, I think, sums it up a little bit. Now... My understanding is, I, I know that when we talked about your story a week or two ago here in the program, uh, some of the, the reaction I got from uh, some of our listeners on, on social media was, they, they, wait, well, well, that's not true. The Catholic Board hires uh, uh, non-Catholics as teachers. Did, did, you, did you not uh, find that to be the case? No, and I think it sort of depends on the climate at the time. So right now there's a glut of kind of unemployed or underemployed teachers, and so they can afford to be picky. Um, in times past, that may not have been the case, and so they maybe sort of loosen their restrictions a little bit. But when I was graduating from Teachers College, it was common knowledge that you needed a letter from a priest saying that you were not just Catholic, but like a, a devout, regularly attending Catholic uh, to even apply to the school board. So that was my experience. So, so in other words, the door was shut as far as you were concerned. Yeah, at the time that I was applying, yes, that may not have always been the case uh, in years past, but that was the experience for me. Now, you're not a lawyer, nor am I, uh, <laughs> and, but, but, you know, we can comment about legal issues in the way that I think, anyway, uh, there's a legitimate uh, reason for suggesting here that the landscape has changed, because I know that w- what many people who are supportive of the two systems will come back with, usually, as one of the first arguments, is, well, come on, this was enshrined in the Constitution back in 1867, that these schools could be there. Uh, but those who are suggesting, like yourself, I guess, that things need to change uh, would point to the fact that, yeah, but now those schools are publicly funded. In other words, those are public tax dollars that are going in there uh, to those schools, and that changes the dynamic. Is, is that part of the, uh, the argument that you're going to put forth? 
Absolutely. Um, and, and at the time, I would say that a big part of why that was enshrined in the Constitution had to do with English and French relations. And what's interesting is that Quebec no longer has publicly funded Catholic schools. And in fact, they actually had to change the actual Constitution Act to do it. So if you read that clause in the Constitution, it now actually reads, since 1997, this does not apply to Quebec. And Quebec was really the party it was designed, well, largely it was designed to protect in the first place. So, yeah, I think we can argue that the landscape has changed. Well, and it was ironic because especially in Quebec, uh, I mean, the the quote-unquote public system, in other words, the, the, the government-funded system was the Catholic system there because the, the, the numbers were just about total opposite to what we had here in Ontario. Right. The majority mm-hmm. of people there were, were Catholics and going to Catholic schools. And, and the fight there was always for the ones that are non-Catholic to get full funding. And I guess that what the province eventually did was just said, okay, you guys are all on the same boat now, and, and, and this is the way mm-hmm. it's going to be funded. And, and that's essentially what you're looking for here, isn't it? Yeah, well, and, and you know, the, the whole idea of minority rights was definitely a part of this in the first place, and it was meant to prevent discrimination. And the irony is it's, it's doing the exact opposite. It's actually entrenching discrimination at this point, um, because we have many minorities, and, and Catholics are just one of quite a few religious minorities uh, in this province, in this country, and only Catholics at this point are granted the special provision. Well, we heard that a couple of uh, provincial elections ago, when uh, then uh, leader of the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party, John Tory, uh, suggested uh, funding for other religious institutions, educational institutions as well. Uh, It did not go well. Uh, Some look at this in hindsight and suggest that was one of the turning points in the election. But it it was an interesting point of discussion to suggest that, well, if Catholics, then why not others? Uh, which leads to that discussion that you're having right now with your group called Open, is uh, instead of funding everybody, why don't we just have one system where everybody gets the benefit of the funding? Exactly. I mean, and, and his system was in some ways more fair. I think he was maybe at that point sort of catering to, you know, people who might be in favor of religious private schools, Protestant religious private schools. So I think he was maybe sort of um, trying to appeal to people who might have their kids in private schools who wanted more help. And so, you know, that, so there's some other political dynamics going on, but he raised, of course, an excellent point. You know, there's an interesting set of numbers here when you look at this. And, and then going with the, we started our conversation with the story here about the students uh, who are now allowed to opt out of religious classes in Ontario Catholic schools. Uh, and, and this was, my understanding, was a Catholic uh, student who was actually filing the complaint, and she ended up winning this thing. But when you started looking at the numbers here, there is an extremely large and growing number of non-Catholic students that are going to Catholic high schools these days. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so so and, what and, you're yeah. asking to do uh, from a, a political standpoint, in other words, to simply have one education system here uh, where everybody is, is allowed, Catholic and non-Catholic, as opposed to the, the separate system and, and, the, and the public system, that's in fact almost already happening as far as student populations are concerned because of the number of non-Catholics that attend Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this was a big deal even a couple of years ago when all of this stuff kind of came out with the uh, the new sex ed curriculum, and there was a lot of misinformation around that. But um, there's you know large portions of other people from other faiths who sort of just like the idea, I guess, that um, people are thinking about those issues in those ways. And you know, I think that raises like uh, you know fair question too about how are we accommodating people's religious preferences in our school systems. Period. And I I think that's a fair conversation. You know, we we. You know, those, those accommodations are important, and people are feeling like the Catholic board, in, in some instances, is doing that better than the public board. And, you know, I think that's criticism to take on board, too. Well, the uh, young student who actually filed the complaint, uh, Claudia Sargini, was in Midland uh, at, a, at a Catholic school there. Uh, there were just, as my numbers indicate here, just over 1,000 students in the school. Over half of them were, were non-Catholics. 
Now, I, I'm not suggesting that it's like that in all Catholic high schools. Obviously, those numbers are going to vary differently. But there already is that accommodation for non-Catholics right now. And I mm-hmm. guess I find it interesting that it was a Catholic student that actually asked for this exemption, when in fact uh, I've also heard from a number of parents whose uh, kids uh, are going to Catholic high schools who are non-Catholic that are saying, well, why should my kid have to have religious instruction? We don't want that there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's all sort of a, yeah, it's, it's a confusing sort of situation that this was a Catholic person. I mean, to be honest, when I heard about this ruling, I thought this was already the case. I remember a case a couple of years ago with uh, a student from Branson who had been granted a religious exemption. I went back and looked at it, and he was only granted exemptions from masses and sort of special ceremonies. But there's actually been a, um, a website that's existed since 2013 called My Exemption, and it goes through the Education Act and basically lays out legally, here's why school boards need to actually, like, uh, they, they should allow you to exempt it as it is. And Catholic boards at the time, there wasn't, I guess, a legal precedent to bind them to do that, which now we have. Um, but the argument can be made that that um, right for an exemption has always existed. So from your personal standpoint, because I know that the group has much broader uh, goals and, and, and ideas as to how they want to approach this. The group I'm referring to, of course, is open. Mm-hmm. But from your personal standpoint, Adrian, uh, this, is the, as far as you're concerned, uh, is, is something that's causing an impediment to possible employment for you. In other words, you don't feel that, yeah. that, that your talents are being uh, uh, evaluated when it comes to whether or not you're going to get the job. It's really just based on, on the religious situation, and as a result, you're excluded from, from even getting into the game. Uh, yeah, so I guess I can go back to how I got connected with the open group to begin with. So sure. Rita Lando, who is the um, the founding member of our group, um, she tried to launch her own constitutional challenge back in 2012, and the courts threw her case out. And they threw it out because she was found to not have legal standing. And so what that just means is that basically she didn't have enough skin in the game as a taxpayer. Um, and the judge specifically said um, that maybe this is a conversation worth opening up and having, but you, you're not the right person to do it. We need to have someone who has a more personal stake in this issue. And I read that, I think, in the Toronto Star, and I was like, oh, I, I have a personal stake in this issue. It's affected me personally. Um, you know, and I can even go back to some specific instances. In 2012, I was actually diagnosed with stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, so I had, you know, pretty serious illness. I had cancer, and I didn't have a permanent job at the time. So I had no access to sick leave. I had no medical benefits. Um, my options were to go on EI um, as a sort of a, an illness claim, which would only last me 15 weeks, and my treatment was slated to last six months or I could continue working. So if I had had a permanent contract at the time, that would have been a significant amount of income I wouldn't have lost, which I did. Um, So, you know, that's just one sort of specific instance where, you know, not having a permanent job really affected my life. So what other stories are we hearing? As you talk to other members of, of Open, uh, that that are, are trying to move this process forward right now and to try to get a voice and, and try to get the government's attention on this. Uh, yours is your own story, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and others may mm-hmm. have other other idealistic goals and, and, and practical goals as to why they're joining this. But, but do you feel as if that argument that was given at that time that, well, there's no argument, there's no people with standing here, in other words, no mm-hmm. people with vested mm-hmm. interest, have you covered that off now, do you think? I think so. I mean, our other plaintiff is um, is a father, and he has two kids who are in 
um, a public uh, French schools, and they're bused an hour each way um, because he's not allowed to go to the closer Catholic school. So that's how he is personally affected by this. So I think if we cover off both um, employment discrimination and discrimination against non-Catholic students, I mean, those are pretty large bases in terms of, you know, this idea of kind of knocking out some key bricks in the tower that is a separate school board. I mean, I think if those bricks get knocked out, I don't know if the tower <laughs> can still stand. It, uh, it's going to take time to, to, to fight this fight. Uh, if you're going to go through legal channels, it's going to take money, obviously, to do that sort of thing, that's, too. Yeah, are you, that's, are you that's a, our impediment right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that, that's everybody's impediment when you're yeah. trying to take on big government in situations like this. Uh, what are the prospects? Are you, are, do you feel some momentum going? Are people starting to come on side? Do you feel that there's, there's uh, some support coming forward? I don't think you're going to see a major tsunami of support at this, not at this stage anyway. Mm-hmm. But, but, but are, are, you, are you comfortable? Are you encouraged by what you're hearing? Yeah, very encouraged, actually. I've got a, a lot of positive support from, from, you know, all kinds of different people. Um, I think, I mean, at this point, I think we're really happy just that it's, it's kind of in the public conversation again. I think one of the things that I, that I mentioned when I was being interviewed, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago is the problem, I think, with this issue is that the people who are most invested in it um, are often the people who are benefiting from the Catholic system and then just members of the general public who probably oppose it just don't think about it. Um, and so I think that's why politically it's such a hot button, button issue because it's not necessarily, you know, an election issue for non-Catholics who, when they think about it, are like, oh, yeah, that's maybe not fair. But it is an election issue for people who are devoutly Catholic and, and who really are invested in the system saying it as, as it is. And so I think that's why sometimes you get that sort of tricky political situation. But I think that's starting to change as people are really looking at the facts and saying, wait a second, <laughs> 2017, what's going on here? How would you address that? Uh, you know that th- that you are attacking uh, the the Catholic system. You're you know that's generations uh, old uh, and tried and true. And 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 you know here you are trying to rock the boat. In other words, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And and they would suggest right. it ain't broke. Well, I I guess one thing I'd maybe like to put out at this point is that I think you know religion is important. I'm I would consider myself actually a religious person. I'm not Catholic, but I'm I'm Christian Protestant. Um, sort of have a, an evangelical background. And and to me, it's actually, t- it protects the integrity of your faith to kind of have it separated from those political issues. I mean, we, we have a separation between church and state, not just to protect the state, but I think also to pr- protect the integrity of the church. And I think you're seeing that in, in sort of Catholicism right now, where they're forced to compromise on some other beliefs in order to placate, you know, the province or, or the public or, or whatever. So I think that, you know, yeah, you sort of remove some of those issues if if you say, you, you know, you can still believe what you believe. I just don't think taxpayers should fund this in this way. If you want to have a, a private religious school where you can hire whoever which, whoever you want and teach whatever you want and believe whatever you want, I mean, I'm 100% for that. Um, but I think it's where you sort of mix these two things. I think they make for pretty, you know, poor bedfellows. I think we've seen this enough times in history to say, you know, we separate church and state for pretty good reasons. So with that in mind, at, at some point in the future, uh, I, I'm hoping, Adrian, that you do become part of the education system, uh, starting in the classroom, and who knows what could happen after that. <laughs> but but with that in mind, when you look at the status quo, the way things are right now, uh, and where you'd like to see these things go in the next little while, mm-hmm. uh, does religion have a place in the school system? Uh, I mean, you know, a lot of jurisdictions simply say we don't do that anymore because the dynamic has changed. Uh, you know, there are so many different things going on. We could talk about the Safe Schools Act. We could talk about demographics, so many things that are happening right now. Does religion have a place in, in, in our education system, in a school system? 
on a personal level, I think it does. I mean, just to go back to this, this, this sex ed debate, I mean, there, was, there were masses of people who removed their children from public school systems um, based on inform- uh, misinformation about that curriculum. Um, I think if maybe those people's concerns had been addressed in a way that was sort of sympathetic and empathetic to their religious concerns, you know, that would have been a better situation for everyone. I, I'm a real believer in public schools. Um, so, you know, I think if we can accommodate people who have strong religious beliefs within that public system where we can have this great mixing of all different types of people, I think we're better off. I think we're better off having everyone, you know, sharing those things together in one system than having people who are have, who have strong opinions about this removing their kids and putting them in, in private schools or in separate schools. I mean, that's, that's a personal belief. And I think that's, you know, a fair public debate, and I understand that, you know, not everyone would agree with me on this, but, yeah, I think hopefully it will usher in that debate, too. How do we accommodate people's religious beliefs in a public system? But if you have a a religious institution, and and I'm not going to limit this to Catholicism, uh, because there are others as well that uh, that might have some, shall we say, concerns uh, with, uh, for instance, the sex ed curriculum, or Mm -hmm. might have some concerns with the provincial legislation uh, dealing with LGBTQ issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is it better off to simply say, okay, forget about religious is not, it, it, there's a no, no religious influence at all. If you want to do that, you do it on your own time, as some other religions do. Uh, right. You know, they, their kids go to a public system, and if they want what they call, you know, extrani- external uh, religious institution, they, that, Sunday school, go to Sunday school, go to Saturday morning, whenever it is, but mm-hmm. do it on your own time in your own institution as opposed to a, a school situation. Is, is, do you see that as a, as, a, as a prototype that might be a little more beneficial? Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally fair. It, it, I think that's a great argument, where it's, if you want religious education, there's, there are institutions that provide that. It's called church <laughs> or, or whatever. It's, you know, we, we have those things. They exist outside of our school system. So, yeah, absolutely, I think that's a fair argument, too. But I, I, mean, I also think that there's maybe a difference between, you know, churches maybe don't need to teach, you know, religious lessons, lessons overtly, but I think there's also an argument to be made about being more accommodating, right? Especially something like a sex ed thing. I mean, that's a contentious issue, right? So just being aware of different beliefs around that, you know, even if you're not kind of teaching overt religious teachings in a public sex ed class, you know, you can still be mindful of the fact that there are people with different beliefs in their classroom. Where, where we've got about a minute left here. Where where are you going on this? I mean, are we going to hear more about this? Is there an imminent challenge that's going to come forward here? Or, uh, or are you just at this stage trying to garner some support and hopefully some money for a legal challenge here? Yeah, that's what we're hoping to do at this point. And I think it's probably good to clarify just exactly how this would work. So, I mean, the change, if, if they were to do away with Catholic schools in Ontario, that would still have to happen through the provincial government. So our court challenge wouldn't actually make... Uh, it would only be one piece of the puzzle. So I think that if we were able to bring this before a court and if we were to win, I think that would be a great victory. But I think hopefully what that would do, again, if we're thinking about Catholic schools as, as a tower and, and bricks kind of getting knocked out of it, we're hoping to knock out some key bricks so that um, uh, just the provincial government at a, at a legislative level would have to say, okay, like this is untenable. So I think it would still have to happen through other channels, but at this point, the court system has the ability to put some significant pressure uh, on the political system. So I think that's what we're hoping to happen, to bring that court, uh, to, to bring that case forward, hopefully get a good decision, and then at that point, have the provincial government say, okay, with these rulings, we really have to ask ourselves some tough questions, and um, and eventually they would have to be the ones to make the final decision. Adrian Havercroft, uh, occasional teacher, of course, who's moving uh, with members of OPEN uh, to uh, challenge uh, the system as it stands now, the status quo here in Ontario. Adrian, we will certainly stay in touch. Thank you so much for this today. 
Thanks again.